welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Hmm. And I am joined this Sunday afternoon by a guy who uh, uh, used to live in Milwaukee. Now he lives in uh, Twin Cities. Um, but uh, he's very passionate about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, he's also passionate about urban farming. He's also, uh, he had a couple uh, talk shows on Riverwest Radio while he was here. And uh, I'm excited to talk to him a little bit about his passions and uh, what sense he's making of this whole mess. Um, thank you for joining me today, Logan McDermott. Thanks for having me, man. You're, you're so welcome. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm doing great. I'm doing tremendous. Uh, we had a little bit of snow today, but that's good, right? It, was, it didn't last. It was one of those good signs of spring. You know, it's been sure. raining. I saw rain for the first time in a while. Oh, word. yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like, um, it was just kind of like those flurries, you know, like it was one of those like springtime snows that kind of just like, you know, breezes by, but it doesn't really hurt anything. Yeah, it's just it's just one last goodbye snow. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, I'm after the last couple weeks, I'm pretty uh, ready to to depart from that. Trip. Definitely. Um, Absolutely. The sun's been out. We've had more consistent sunny days. I can feel the vitamin D. You know what I mean? Like I can definitely tell that it night and day, the duality of vitamin D, definitely. Yeah, the serotonin has been uh, returned. <laughs> yeah. Returned yeah, man. How, well, you know, it, it kind of warmed up this week down here in Milwaukee. Yep. How is it over there? It's great. It, yeah, it warmed up last week as well. We had two weeks where it was below, below, below frigid. And I used it as an opportunity. I, I, I home brew or ferment honey wine, mead. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, so if you uh, get it to extremely cold temperatures, you what's it's called crash cooling. So it like stops all the fermentation, it puts it right in a sweet spot, and mm -hmm. then it's ready for a little bit more of a bulk age. But it basically kills everything in there, so makes it ready to drink, and it's clear. My mead was murky. I put it outside for a week, and it just everything dropped out as this crystal clear, you know, gallon of sunshine. Damn, I'm I'm trying to have some. Yes. Ew, oh yeah. What All the right. hell? I, I don't think some. I can, I don't think I can mail it, but maybe we'll get a I'll get a, I'll fetch a runner. You know? dude, I'm, dude, I'm coming over, man. Yes, please, man. <laughs> We're here. We got this. Here. Damn. You you play Dungeons and Dragons and yep. you make mead. You better dude, believe you're, it. You're literally living in some kind of a uh, uh, role-playing fantasy all Yeah, right. I so uh, a lot of my dungeon master abilities come from method acting. I go out uh, with my battle axe and I walk around the street hunched over and I pretend to be a troll. And so, <laughs> but yeah, method acting is definitely fun. And I love the fact that I've always been able to- I wish, I wish you were doing that. <laughs> yeah. We I always, wish you were doing that. We always crack jokes when I would do like a voice, people would be like, where do you practice that? <laughs> At the grocery store. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, I um that's funny. Like I went to the Renaissance Fair for the first time about two years ago. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember like, you know, I was obviously taking some pictures, documenting my visit. And uh I remember asking like, you know, uh 
this guy that's that was donned in just some like medieval attire i asked him mm-hmm. if he wanted to like take a picture and he was like certainly i am for all portraiture <laughs> yes <laughs> and yes and then he's like happy festival and happy i was festival. like dude that's fucking wicked those I, people like, are great yeah yeah like they truly get invested in in that like um escapism in yeah. such an authentic it, way yeah it's so great and there's um I also went to my first Renaissance Festival two years ago. I went to the Shakopee one here in Minnesota. I had such a good time. And like you were saying, it's a really great escape. And I started working on a costume because when I was there, I'd be like totally getting into this mindset, but I'd look down and I'd be wearing my conventional 2019 band t-shirt, you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm totally thrown out of character. There was one experience I had that blew me away. Yeah. There was, uh, I had finished my like, I don't know, whatever glass of meat it was. My partner said they'd drive. So, all right, let's get more, you know, let's get into character. And I was really feeling the sun on my face and, and living it and thinking about historically, I studied history, you know, so I'm thinking historically about a lot of this stuff and oh, it would be way muddier if this was the real times. It would be way dirtier and less sanitary and all those funny thoughts, smiling. And I hear, <laughs> golden beard. And I'm like, <laughs> I turn it around and there is, um, uh, I'm not like, I'm blanking on, on like the most like PC way to put it. Like there's a little person dressed up as a bard oh, sitting yeah. there laughing at me, whispered to me, called me golden beard and ran away. And I was blown away by that. I was like, dude, like these are, we're, it's almost like um, Halloween. We get to put on these performances and we can get possessed by them right? You can really get lost in your acting. And that's the best part about D&D. That is the best part about D&D, especially when you can do it recreationally twice a week and lose yourself and you build a character. And that's not to say that when you create those little neurotransmitters to build this character and play them, there's nothing to say that that doesn't carry over to what we'd call the real world, right? Oh, certainly. You get to build these characters and chemicals and, and take it with you. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. I mean, we see that in um, just generally when you're, you know, a, a public facing person, you know, you kind of develop like a persona, you know, um, some kind of your your eccentricities kind of like um, they blend in, they kind of like intertwine between both your personal and your public life. And I've noticed that too. Like, I mean, I feel like just by doing like uh this is my kind of own version of that but just doing this podcast you know that the, the conversational um sort of affable persona that i try to carry in the show you know like i find i try to like bring that with me you know out in public too whenever i can you know i try to just make some kind of universalness to it if that totally. makes sense yeah even though sometimes it's hard because you know like um you kind of have to work with what people outside of that sort of um, that uh, that persona um, mm-hmm. that you're creating around yourself that you want to, that energy you want to carry around yourself, your aura, if you yeah. will. Like it can be kind of hard when people outside of that just aren't used to it. And you kind of just have to work with what they're giving. Yeah, it, it like it hits them like a force field instead of a warm air, you know, like your aura is coming out and it hits them and they're almost like blocked from it. They're like, whoa, we used to really dig into that with Stone Soup was a radio show that was on Riverwest Radio every Tuesday at 10 p.m. for years. 
Yeah. And I worked in urban agriculture with a guy. He was a soil builder, really good at like composting urban waste and making it into something very fertile. And we would be in the trenches of mud and compost talking about the big, the big topics, mortality, spirituality, big things like that. And one day he just invited me to his radio show and I showed up on a Tuesday and didn't, didn't miss a Tuesday for two years. Nice. And we, we built it as like radio therapy. Um, The, you know, the broadcast, it was a low powered frequency and we were stoked on the belief that that carries, you know, if people want to pick it up and surf it, go for it. Like that's, we're just putting it out there. And we'd always start the show with, by saying where we were at river West, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, great lakes basin, United States, planet earth, you know, Milky way galaxy, Lana Yakia superstructure. And we're like, it's going to get out there someday. And it was a fun belief to, to be a part of something like that. It feels good. Radiotherapy. Right. Yeah. Just, you know, it, it really puts into perspective, like, that's something I think about a lot, too. I ponder it constantly, just sort of like the seamlessness of creative expression, and especially how that is so amplified by, like, you know, broadcasting and by um, just the power of, like, the internet these days. It's like, I think about, for example, like, you know, if you're, like, a clothing designer, you know, like, you make shirts, and um, you sell it to somebody who decides to who purchases it wears it and uh, like travels somewhere you've never been before like somewhere across Mm -hmm. the world for example and like is wearing your brand to people that have absolutely no concept of like who you are and what you do and you're not conscious of them either but your art your 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 your, uh creative uh medium is being Mm -hmm. like transmitted in places you've never been and uh, that's something I think about all the time like where it's like you never know like who's watching you or who's consuming what that's why something I've been really bad at is marketing so and and being being someone who's like creative or someone who is like broadcasting it's so gravy to have dope marketing right away because if it's a logo I'm thinking about a really great Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Like their first episode was so DIY. Their first handful of us were so DIY. Yeah. But what got people into them was their logo. It was a like a blue Yeti mic. Oh yeah. Half of it. And then the other half was a 20-sided dice. And it was blue on black. And it was so cool. And it and it grabbed people from all over the world. Just looking at that, being like, oh, this must be a dope podcast. And it just, yeah, it goes to sh- and if they put it on a hat, if you're putting on a t-shirt and you're in Germany and someone's like, what is that? cool symbol i know the mic i know the dice oh it's these random can i swear yeah yeah okay it's these random fucks from oklahoma (laughs) (laughs) it's like these people in germany are like sporting all their gear and it's just so great that people from oklahoma can connect with people in munich yeah oh hell yes dude yeah uh you ever uh you ever just like listen to an album that you stumble upon just because you fuck with the cover art so much yes a hundred percent a hundred percent and and just like um there it does you know it it does it's a thin line between like really outrageous title track or like just a cliche name you know like let's let's build one right now uh punched in the face for wearing blue jeans 
it's like, wow, that's a cool album. Like I can, you know, I've never been punched. Uh-huh. It's just so weird how you can. Yeah. I want to know sometimes when you see names like that, they're so ambiguous. Like, did they put time in that? Did they, or was it just red hot chili peppers pull it out of a hat? Yeah. I would assume that a band that makes a song called Punch in the Face while wearing blue jeans is yeah. probably some kind of like Midwest emo. Yeah, I would, totally. I can see I would that. assume. Yeah. Yeah. Like where there's sort of like those um um sort of those like aesthetic tendencies that mm -hmm. come with uh particular sonic territories for sure. Um so so Logan, um yeah. So before we talk a little bit more about DD, I want to hear more about your own background and kind of just how it would eventually like um mm -hmm. you know uh how you would evolve into into this uh hobby. So you're yeah. you're from Milwaukee, right? Nope, born in Platteville, Wisconsin. Oh, bottom right. left corner. Yep. Oh, and yes. uh that's that's the true origin story <laughs> is uh Grew up in a tiny town, university was there, and yeah. it was probably half the population was college kids. Yeah. So there was a lot of a lot of smart people there in the middle of nowhere. And <laughs> I yeah. eventually decided to go to Milwaukee. I lived in Milwaukee for about 10 years. That's where I did my undergrad. Yeah, sure. I uh, get out and, yes, yep. And that was the best move I ever made. It's it's kind of it's kind of shitty though, because when you're in high school and the guidance counselor, the teachers, those, you have to go to college. You have to go to college. You have to go, well, what am I supposed to study? I took the aptitude test in high school. I should have been a butcher or in the Calvary. You know, I was like, oh my gosh. We, we had to take tests. Did you ever take these tests that were like placement tests for like yeah, yeah, prospective careers? My prospective career said Calvary. I'm like, what is this, the 1800s? Yeah, are like, you gonna like hop on your trusty steed? Yeah, what did I? What did I say in my test that led people to believe that I preferred to sit in a helicopter? Yeah, sport your musket or some shit like that. Yep. It was wow. dope. I mean, I, I was like, I was like, whoa, I was like blown away by it. I was like, that's super cool and exciting. Yeah. It's dangerous. What's option two? I said butcher. And I was like, well, first off, that'd be exciting. You know, I, I tried getting into butchery two years ago. And yeah. uh, by the way, I was just like, how do I go to college? What do I go? You know, and, and they, they pressured you to go to college. And then they told you, study what you believe in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Study what makes you feel good. Yeah. And I ended up going with history. Okay. I've, no regrets, man. Like totally stoked, but would really love to have been told to do electrical engineering or something. Sure. Hey, well, did you, did you get to go to up to the esteemed map room in UWM? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I've still never been up there, but okay. Um, but I have a friend who's also studied history, and like he he's talked it up a lot. Up yeah, there. it's intense. I was in religious studies, like academic study of religion, sure. and I got to look at some really old religious books that touch you know like having your hands near them and picturing them on like a dais where a monk was like painting this. Yeah, like that connection is crazy. Um, and that's that's uh, one of my biggest steps into having a huge passion in Dungeons and Dragons is that background of that old lore feel, right? And flavor of not just telling your your adventurers that they find a book on the table, explaining what the <clears throat> what the book looks like. Yeah, and the yeah, like and the role that cartography uh, mm -hmm. can uh, play in in that um explorative passion in that realm yeah 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 dude totally like uh 
Uh, well, I have a couple more questions sure. about like being a kid for you. Okay, like, yeah. I mean, being as in you were in Platteville, mm-hmm. um, like, did you spend a lot of time outside growing up? Definitely, definitely, definitely. And when I was really young, uh, my grandpa would babysit me a lot, and he had a big subsistent garden. And okay. when my mother was a young and she was being raised by her dad and all the kids, they were just forced to stay outside and take care of the garden and make sure everything's ready. And there was like hierarchy. So the oldest would have the easiest jobs, but had to facilitate the younger, you know, manage the younger ones. And when I was younger, being raised by my grandpa, it was the same thing, but it was just me out there. Sometimes my cousins, but spent a lot of time eating raspberries right off the bush and, and you know, accidentally eating a spider. Like that feeling, pulling an onion out of the ground and eating it like an apple and being like, that was a terrible idea. My stomach burns. Oh, it's such a bad idea. I've done that too. It's it's a horrible. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And that was, I credit a lot of my imagination with spending time as a young kid by myself, like out in a garden for hours and just eating food and being young. And then when I got older, middle school, high school and stuff, we played a lot of baseball outside. We rode bicycles everywhere. Typical kid stuff right um yeah it was awesome although we, we did get into video gaming like ps2 action we played a lot of lord of the rings ps2 dude games. me too man did yeah. you ever you know what's the lord of the rings game that no one talks about was uh the third age lord of the rings third, third age. age it's like when you're not actually playing as the fellowship like all the characters mm-hmm. are like based on characters in the movie but yeah. it's it was known for its uh conditional turn-based battle system oh sweet yeah where it's like a everyone like there's like a queue of like who gets to like attack or do their do their power next and um i played the shit out of that game yeah that's i love turn-based games yeah yeah i i mean i liked the other like the regular trilogy games too like um for example the Fellowship of the Ring was based on the book and not the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that game. Yeah. But yep. I played, I played the a- Gimli. Yeah. That was the go to. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, this is all super interesting because, dude, I feel like you and I like were pretty similar kids. Definitely. Definitely, dude. That's the thing. But just on the other side of Wisconsin, because you grew up in. I actually grew up in Illinois. Oh, oh so yeah. You were okay. So you yeah. were still east of me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, I, so I grew up um, in the south suburbs of Chicago, but I grew up, um, my parents, like, had a greenhouse growing up. Oh, lucky. Yeah, so we had, like, I lived on a major street, and, like, I spent a lot of time, like, outside, like, also in the garden, Mm -hmm. like, that was literally, like. Oh, I'd be napping in the greenhouse all the time. Yeah, man, I used to, like, you know, like, play sword fight and like mm-hmm. um you know do all my vivid imagination scenarios like out where my mom had like her garden plots and mm-hmm. um and yeah like I I yeah I played a shit ton outside like in that sort of just with that very like nature oriented environment like I because I played a lot of video games too and I used to like literally create entire worlds in my mind of like you know combining one video game I played with another I played yeah and like I used to like write like um um I used to like write like uh the gameplay out like on notebooks and stuff like Absolutely. that that's just like D. 
yeah this yeah is, yeah i like to say that uh you know when i'm at work and i have like a break an hour break and i'll go sit down and i'll be typing on my laptop and people will say what are you doing man especially people who i've just met that don't you know uh so yeah real quick backstory on me i was i was hatched i'm a lizard and so it's really hard for me to adjust sometimes to people and it's hard you know like we were saying that aura that you put off can knock people like a force field so usually if someone's like oh what are you doing man i'm like oh, writing the dungeons and dragons campaign it's just like brick wall like conversation ends because they have no idea what dnd is just that it's just like like they feel intimidated they might not be able to keep up for some reason right so i just say creative writing go what are you doing go. i'm doing some creative writing and then they'll, and they'll be like oh what are you writing oh it's this tale about you know prince gets kidnapped Although he actually paid these pirates to kidnap him because he wanted to go get married to a mermaid that his dad, who's the governor, wouldn't allow that. So he's like kidnapping him, you know, and it's this like love tale thing that it's like creative writing is all it is. Then you throw a little mechanics into it, like dice rolls uh, plus combat that that always comes up. That's always fun. There are people who play D&D that they hardly ever roll dice because they're just so thick in role play. And a lot of them don't even want to fight. Like, how can we avoid this combat? Like, can we just talk this out? That's heavy. That's heavy when people get so into role play that there's not even combat. You're not even rolling dice anymore. You, you like, you just get your XP by avoiding confrontation. Oh, I didn't sure. expect to make friends with an orc today, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, that's so like interesting because I, yeah, like I used to get embarrassed like when like my friends or like my parents would like find mm -hmm. the stuff that like I was writing, writing down and like that mm -hmm. I was really secretive about because I felt like I was like gonna be um, perceived as like this nerdy weirdo. Yeah. And you back know, then it, that was tough. You didn't yeah. want to be a nerd. Now nerds are sexy. You dude. Know? Yeah. <laughs> now nerds are sexy, man. It's awesome. Like yeah, younger dude. me, if you'd have told younger me, like, dude, don't worry, it's okay to to share your creative writing. Nerds dude. will be sexy someday. Dude, oh, yeah. Not wow, nerd, okay. Nerd, dude, nerd, nerds are babes, dude. Nerds are total babes. Nerds are babes. Nerds and are babes. So did you like, <laughs> yeah, did you like watch and like read or um, play like a lot of fantasy growing up? <sighs> I read some fantasy and that was huge for me. And you know, those great feelings you get when you finish a fantasy book and you, you're stuck oh, yeah. or you finish a movie or something and even as like a 12 year old you're like i think i need a cigarette right now like i need just some time to adjust yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. I, and yeah. i'm and it's the same same way with music and this has always been been the been the thing for me i've never been the person to publish the creative writing or the person to publish the album or the, or the person to express some wonderful painting all i do love to paint i'm always i i love being just a big fan because i'm so sensitive to what people are trying to express. If you're a local band, it doesn't matter what genre, but if you invite me to your show, I will be in the front row with all insecurities outside. And I, I submit to whatever you're about to put on stage and I groove to it, man. I yeah. love that feeling. I absolutely love it. And I think that is something that a lot of people can be desensitized from what made it worst was Snapchat and Instagram and, and just the ability to record people. That's caused a lot of insecurities with folks because I started college before Snapchat. So I was, I had had two years of college 
where you could do whatever you want. You could be free and you could be at parties and you could be outlandish and have fun and really let go of insecurities. And then it became a thing where now you get Snapchats the next morning of your friends like looking like clowns. It's like they might have been sober, just really enjoying the show. They might have been just dancing up a storm. Of, oh my gosh, like he doesn't even know how to dance. You know, like stuff like that. That that is um it's 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 hard now for people to let go of those insecurities, but it's man, when you realize like I feel so much better just letting loose like that and having a good time and putting on the grooving shoes and not worrying about other people. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm a tall dude. And I used to get like people, there's always a debate like, should tall people be allowed at the front of the concert? Right. Have you ever have you ever like oh yeah, yeah. Well, that? I I've you know outrageous. Well, well how how tall are you? <laughs> I'm six two. So okay. it's not like I'm not like offensively tall, but I'm tall. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're not like rudely tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like I'm five eleven. So yeah. I, I I like I get it. Like, you know, you, you kinda have to sometimes if you're like behind a tall person, you kinda like wanna find either find like a spot not but right not directly behind yeah. the tall person or you constantly find yourself like, you know, kind of peering over their shoulder, but I mean, like I get it, but also like, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's never been like that big of an issue. I mean, like that's okay. it's never like stopped me from enjoying a show. Absolutely. Exactly. Awesome. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I, it was just a stigma way back when I worked at 88, nine, they had like a poll about like, should people, should tall people be in the front row? And I was outraged that that was even a poll. Like, well, tall the, people have to, if you're I'm the enjoying the show I'm, yeah. I am having such a good time well if you you're know? also like I mean for one it's not like a trait you asked for you just you know <laughs> mm-hmm. like second yeah. of all second of all like for one if like if you're in the front row then like I'm pretty 99.9 percent sure the people in the second row will still be able to see the stage yeah absolutely. like because of that like um the the tra- the trajectory you know yeah. that where it's like the stage is a raised platform most of the time mm-hmm. and you're still going to be able to see the performers you know like i'm not i've never been much of like a front row person i'm usually like a very far back person anyway sure where you know like like the right. little kid that climbs up on the rafters to like watch it from yeah. the rafters. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I used to just, I, I mean, I used to like see a lot of shows at Company Brewing or Cactus. Oh, yeah. And Definitely. I used to just, you know, I would like to sip my beer in the very far back of the room and just kind mm-hmm. of like observe, like, just kind of like observe from a very like um, panoramic sort of yeah. perspective. Really take it in too. You can see yeah. more of the stage. That's definitely true. Yeah. But if it's one, if it's like one of my like good homies that's playing, then mm-hmm. yeah, front row yeah. Is, is is ideal. <laughs> my goal, my goal has always been to support music as much as possible. I I am not musically gifted, but like to go back to what I was saying before is like it's I'm very sensitive to music. Yeah. Like I was that I was that little boy like crying to classical music, you know, because it touched me, and then putting on Slayer before going to play sixth grade football you know, just like all over the place with the musical genres. And I love being in the front row. My goal has always been to net, like if I go see, a, especially a local show where there's not as many people, my goal when I go in is always to never let the front man have to say, hey, you guys want to move it up? You know what I mean? Like, you know how sometimes they'll like bring people yeah. forward. Hey guys, come on. You. My goal is like, if I'm at a show, like I don't ever want to hear that. 
So I'm going to be in the front, you know, if, if, if I have a crew with me, I'm definitely soliciting them for their backup, but I don't need their backup because I'm there to have a good time. And I think that's the most, and there's the thing that the leader is not the first person to do it. The leader is the second person to do it because when the leader does it, everybody, think the first person does it. They think that that guy could be crazy. And then they see the second person go, Oh no, that's cool. So this, I love that second leader mentality. And uh, yeah. Hey man, you're, you're the ideal live music enthusiast. I, hey. I like, I paid I, for it for the show. I might as well enjoy it. Right. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> so what, what, like, what was your like kind of a inception into D and D like, what was the, f tell me about like when you first like started with it, how you stumbled. Yeah. I first started it. Like, I think my very first character I made was in high school. Didn't get to play him much because I was just too consumed with other school activities college I got pretty big into it and I had my first character die in college Oof. uh yeah so I always have made like big tough guys I've made big tough good guys that defeat bullies I've also made big tough guys that are bullies and I played both sides of it the good and evil sure. yeah and then I thought well why don't I play a bard why don't I try to role play something I've never done before and I did a really good job being this snooty bard kind of right but I ended up playing him a bit like a barbarian where I ran into combat. And because my armor class was so low, uh, I basically just got one shot by this big, bad, evil guy and failed all my death saving roles. The team was still engaged. They like no one took time to heal me and I died. And I thought, well, I got to stick to my strengths, you know, <laughs> and there, there are people who can go all across the board with different. And, you know, you've known fantasy games with different classes, different different, you know, some are dexterous, some are, you know, athletic, and D&D is really big on that, and really, really honing in onto some person, so I've always been at least in one campaign a year, I'd say, even if it is only mean once or twice, and sitting down for four, five, six hours at a time, but when the isolation hit in March last year, Wizards of the Coast the people who created DD, Wizards of the Coast released all the player handbooks for free on their website. You could download. They released all the beginner material, including some quests. So, oh my gosh, it'd be a wonderful milestone milestone if somebody bought one of my campaigns that I write. So I, I, I write all the time these decks, they're called one shots, and they're meant to be just like a like a start and end in one day. Like you guys sit down, you start this quest, four hours later, you've experienced some things, you've been a part of a wonderful play, and you call it a night, and you have that, and you want to have that experience, like when you finish a book that you really like, that, that feeling that we talked about when you get into, as a kid, being sensitive to these uh, fantasies, and I started doing nothing but writing for 2020. I was sitting at home, right in this chair, uh, really leaning forward into fantasy writing, and I, I, had a novel I started a long time ago, a fiction novel. And I just was writing D&D about swords and shields and, and all this stuff. But the, the, the pathway is the same, the mechanics of how you rise and fall. And I just reskinned it to put these into the book I was writing previously. So uh, definitely the pandemic kickstarted me because I was just sitting at home. I wanted something to do. We played over Roll20 and Zoom and Discord. A uh, really great way to stay in touch. So uh, 2020 for the whole year, every single week we were in, I was doing one or two days playing D&D. And that's a lot. And, and three would be my ideal, but I have to do real work too. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, do that. I mean, that's awesome. You took 
stellar advantage of your time um, oh yeah in such a bleak period um you know because i mean like yeah yeah like what else are you gonna do i mean mm -hmm. that's for me like i'm just like i'm very sensitive to music too like you mm -hmm. like you are like and i just poured over you know just discographies and just went down the spotify rabbit hole of new artists to yes. listen to like that's that awesome. became that sort of became my uh um way of sort of navigating uh, mm -hmm. personally so i love discography hunting too oh yeah like that, the, i love discography i especially I when love, you find especially yeah. when you find a band that's like got only like a couple thousand plays on their stuff yeah. and you're like holy shit this band is from like you know the the diy scenes yeah. scene in new york in like the 2000s and i'm like goes back to that the, mm -hmm. the seamlessness of creative expression that we were talking about yep. earlier like i'm finding them now and i'm like discovering some wicked shit you know yeah yeah good times i yeah discography has been great and definitely um <clears throat> uh those random cds you can find sometimes like the shameless just like leaving CDs in, in, you know, the tiny libraries. So I used to do door to door for PBS. I used to uh, work for a company that uh, helps fundraising and acquisition and finding new people, folks that are watching PBS or they value PBS, but they don't have the, they don't watch it on television. So they don't see the telephone, uh, just going out and talking to people. And I saw a lot of tiny libraries doing that. And there would be people who left CDs in there. And then somebody brought some back to our office and it was this band from North Dakota that was so, I can't, it, it was so unique to North Dakota about loose meat sandwiches, which is like a barbecue, like a sloppy Joe. Yeah. It was just so nuts, but you know what I mean? Like I had it in my vehicle and my partner listened to it and was like, where, like, what is this? This is so cringe. I'm like no it's not it's unique <laughs> uh, it's it's eccentric okay i couldn't even find them on spotify and i was like wow this is so cool yeah Damn, that's tight I, it was good too like it was caliber caliber waves to ride so there you go solid yeah for sure um yeah and that's you ever think about the idea that like the the best stuff you've never like you've ever heard like you is still out there waiting for you to find it or better yet, or even more terrifying you might never hear it like oh the stuff yeah that, the stuff that like could be wow. your favorite shit like the the most like eye-opening like soul enhancing most, just your favorite music like that you could ever dream of like could be out there and yeah. you might never find it that terrifies me every yeah. single day. <laughs> that's what, that's your bond. That's your like bond to your passion is to, is, is so in Dungeons and Dragons, every character has to have a bond and it's what drives them. So it's, yeah, it's, it's super cool. That's your bond is to make sure, to make sure that if music, if undiscovered music were stones, you'd flip everyone over on earth. <laughs> yep. Until, uh, until I dropped dead. Yep. Quite it's frankly. Yeah. yeah that's it awesome. is. So that being said, uh, so you said you're a, what, uh, Grandmaster, is that what you're called? Game Master. Game Master, okay. Yeah, Grandmaster, yeah. How do you become a Game Master? It's super easy. It's super easy, but super, um, the hardest part is having friends, you know? Yeah. Especially like, 
if you have friends that express interest in D&D and they want to play, but you have to like find a time and date that works for them to play, that's like the hardest part is getting everybody organized. The rest is so easy. What makes a game master really good is someone who you have to be able to challenge the people that play the game, but you can't make it too difficult that they don't want to play. Some people don't like to do puzzles. Some people don't like to, before they enter this particular, um, you know, quest that they're on, if, if they're entering some kind of catacombs, they don't want to experience some kind of reflective mirror with a, there's like a goblin on one end of the mirror and a bunch of treasure. But when you turn around behind you, that's not there. So you're like, why is there a goblin with treasure in this mirror? And he's not behind me. You're supposed to flip the mirror upside down. The goblin and the treasure falls out. You have to fight the goblin. You get the loot. It's super cool. It's a little fun puzzle that most people just end up smashing the glass that don't like puzzles. And they're like, is this how we get them out? I was like, no, you just, all that gold falls backwards. So you have to know the people you're working with. And to, to be a proper game master, you have to keep things exciting. You have to use super descriptive language. That's the biggest thing is using very descriptive language. If you're not playing with a, a tabletop board or using monster cards or showing pictures and maps, those are my favorite games where it's just you, the game master, and four people. And it's just a story being told. And throughout the story, you have like you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, even if you're not proficient in it. If you're like a halfling, if you're a hobbit, and you want to like pick up this boulder and like roll it down a hill or whatever, um, you can try. Like you'll never be able to roll the dice high enough to do that. So the game master, you have to know algebra. You have to know a ton of improv, uh, but it's not to be intimidated by. Sure. Because if you know your party, if your party's fun, and the best part is when the adventurers play the game, they, they create the game. You'd give them this like, um, this white canvas, cleanly gessoed, and you hand them a bunch of colors and you say like, what color do you choose first, right? And then you just build off of that um using yeah. what they say and, and improving and you have all these background characters that you write that's all the creative writing i do is i don't write the actual pathway the characters go down the path i build characters i build items that they can find i build uh unique quest lines that they can follow and a lot of the times they deviate from it something that's very difficult as a game master is railroading Oh, tell me more. Railroading is where you basically drive your characters to a specific destination. Like you get into a town and you're supposed to go speak to the king. And one adventurer says like, oh, I, I, I want to find a tavern first. You get a beer before. Oh, all the taverns are closed. As you guys walk up to the keep and to go to speak and you just like shut them down and just like don't allow that. That's there are time crunches where that's a thing, but realistically D and D is all about freedom. And it's like, I want to go get a beer before I go talk to the King. All right. Like, let's see how greased up you get. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of contingency on everyone's, yeah. Everyone's own individuality yep. of like how they're, you know, um, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Going about their uh, odyssey. And that's, yeah. Like I, I've never played. So I, like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm intrigued now. Maybe, like, I should give it a mm -hmm. try. Do you know, yeah. do you know Kula, Kula Music? Absolutely. Of course I know Kula. I just saw him on the street the other day. 
Awesome, man. So Ian's been playing with me all of 2020. Oh yeah. Every, every Wednesday we played and he streamed it on his Twitch and it was oh, so, it was so much fun. He played Arde Alama, which is this wood elf cleric that was like just this healer, you know, traveled out into the woods to live a life as a hermit. Didn't really agree with the elven community he was in. And he found his symbol that um, the three exclamation point things, the uh, Eowyn that he has on all of his albums he found that in the woods and it sh- it gave him music, this like divine light. Uh, and so we've, we always talk about setting up one shots. Those like start and end. I'll, uh, dude, you should hop in on one. It'll be so much fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. What kind of, let me turn, let me just spin this around. What kind of character would you be in D and D? Would you be an archer? Would you be a swords swordsman? Like, would you be one sword and a shield? Would you be two swords? Would you be a warlock? You cast in spells. Are you a necromancer? Those are tough because most people hate necromancers because they're, you know, gross. And yeah. so <laughs> it's it's tough to be a necromancer in this world. Although I do have a necromancer character called Dread Flanders and he's, he's a cool guy. Okay. What would well, you be, you know what I mean? Would you be an elf? Would you be a dwarf? Um, see, that's, I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm trying to like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm trying to kind of like um, personify my, um, you know some traits of my own yeah um i feel like you know i i feel like i'm a pretty like logical and clever person okay but i'm not very like able-bodied like okay. i've always kind of had like an awkward uncoordinated sure. uh, um physical sense of myself so whatever you feel like would fall more into like intelligence and wisdom yeah like a riddler of sorts nice so that's wisdom yeah so that's that's one of the cool things is like intelligence is how you know you're super book smart wisdom is your street smart or you you know there was a really funny thing i saw where it's like strength is your ability to crush a tomato dexterity is your ability to throw a tomato constitution is your ability to eat rotten tomatoes and intelligence is to know a tomato is a fruit why is not a fruit salad and charisma is the ability to sell a tomato to be put into a fruit salad and it's just so fun man and you do have a lot of charisma too so like you could definitely class into warlock that's one that i've recently been into they're very charismatic in fact a lot of their like ability to tap into the weave the weave is almost like this it's always around us and a bard when they sing the weave as their vocal cords resonate and that's how they're able to cast magic spells while singing uh sorcerer is like pulling pieces of the weave around them and then building a fireball warlocks typically have some kind of pact with a fiend or like a fairy or some other type of extra extra you know a celestial but they use a lot of charisma charisma and wisdom which is really cool and i think that's like totally what you could be you know warlocks don't have to be creepy either it sounds it sounds like (laughs) aggressive to be like you'd be a warlock but like there's some but because they're so charismatic a lot of warlocks tend to be super charming so yeah i uh definitely try out the warlock class if you ever play i think you'd love it okay that resonates all right logan you're on i i uh okay i thank you for enlightening me yeah i'll send you the stat card yeah great (laughs) so that that's actually a good segue into yeah so if if you know, if someone is curious about playing D&D, but they're just have no idea, like, how to kind of like get started, like, what's mm-hmm. your what's your kind of um, uh, advice for somebody who is 
interested but doesn't know where to start. Absolutely. Um, if you have like the technical, the savvy ability to get the player's handbook from Dungeons and Dragons, it's like a 300 page book. Uh, the, the player's handbook definitely helps. It's hard to read if you don't know how to read it yet, but you know, it'll have the table of con the, t the contents and where to find that stuff. So the book is obviously one of the best things to have. Um, but listening to podcasts, listening to D&D &D podcasts is a great way. Um, if I could shout out this, it's like super impressive called Sneak Attack. Okay. And they all start off, the dungeon master is very good and clever. And one of the players is like been playing D&D &D for so long. He's like super obsessed with it. And then a couple other players are new or maybe only done one or two campaigns. So it's a lot like in the beginning, there is a lot of really good introductory to it, like how combat works. Um, but really the best way to get into it, find friends that want to play, you know, definitely reach out to your like-minded friends and who, you know, someone might volunteer to be dungeon master and dungeon master just takes a lot of reading. Yeah. Do a lot of reading, some writing and yeah, definitely hit me up. Yeah. Hit me up if you got more questions, like I've, you know, I've made so many characters during 2020 for folks that, uh, yeah, definitely. But get the player handbook and, and watch, listen, listen to the podcasts and, and maybe watch some live games. Viva La Dirt League does a Dungeons and Dragons, like they're only 20 minute episodes. They come out every Wednesday and they're super easy to digest and they, they LARP basically like it's like cuts to they're playing at a table and then it'll cut to them like in their like larping gear acting out the scenes that they created at the table oh cool it's super cool man i love it um yeah geek out have fun get a set of dice dice are amazing dude yeah that sounds like some very like interactive innovative mm -hmm. fun it's a whole community too it's a whole community that it doesn't matter who you are what like walk of life you're from you can jump into D and D and just completely lose yourself. So tremendous. The only game board is in our minds because if I say the King comes out and he's adorned with this bright, brilliant blue velvet robe and it's trimmed with gold. And as he tucks it off, as he drops it off, you know, and then, you have pictured a blue velvet robe in your mind as I'm speaking it, right? It looks different than what somebody else might be. Even though I said blue, bright blue velvet with gold trim, that could be completely different. And some people, you can say something and they just imagine something that's not, they could be picturing purple. So that's why I don't like to use a whole lot of graphics or like yeah, miniatures. Like, I kind of, I got the idea of like indigo when you first yeah, said that. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, but someone else could think more like Azure. Yeah, you know? and someone might think Indigo and be like, you know what, I like this better than what the DM says. So I'm just going to picture Indigo. And that's totally fine. Unless, of course, it comes down later in the game where you've the king asks you to go grab his robe. And when you walk over to the wall, there's an Indigo robe, a red robe, and a green robe. And you're like, shit, but was it actually blue? Right. <laughs> but yeah. that's, I mean, that's not, you'll know what the king's robe is. And the cool thing is in D&D &D is if you ever forget something, like if you were told to go speak with uh, Hamish in the boatyard about getting some contraband, you guys are gonna be going across to another like area. You might want to buy some local goods and travel with you guys have a cart, you know, and do a little commerce. 
some characters have a background in as artisans or as merchants and so before they leave a town they have skills based around haggling and and how to like find a good item or to know trades between different areas and they you know if they can they can do all that so that's yeah. fun and that's fun man you just gotta let people run away like that it's just like well i want to go like check for all this okay cool like you know go run away man have fun and it's it's great it's so great <laughs> this is so I'm, much to know <laughs> and i'm never bored of it i'm never yeah. i've i've never in my life said oh, i don't really want to play D D right now how could you be? How could you? Couldn't be because yeah. you get to be whatever you want. Good, exact. So yeah, yeah. That's man. It's a question I was going to ask earlier. Yeah. Uh, like, do you um, do you play like any Skyrim? Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Skyrim. I and this this goes into why I love D and D because in Skyrim, no joke. Get this, I get so deep into role play that I would like find places that i could wash up before going into like white run okay like i've been running through the woods murdering skeletons collecting herbs rolling in the dirt why would i just walk into white run right i stink let's go find a water to bathe in you know or like let's go like let's go let's eat a carrot we're probably hungry and i get super into role playing like that and Skyrim was great for it. I never beat it. I don't think I ever beat Skyrim because I like every time I start a new character, I would always go to the Champions Guild and become a werewolf and then just run around murdering everybody. And that was it. And I'm like, God damn it. Oh, I yeah. said I wasn't gonna do that. I said I wasn't gonna be a werewolf this game. Yeah. I said I wasn't gonna be a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I feel that. Yeah, I, I played it in high school a lot. And I remember like- Yeah, same. Yeah, and I just remember like, I, um, you know, I, I like explored the entire map before I did any quests. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you're I just, already I was, beefed by quest one. You're just totally ripped. Yeah. I was just so, <laughs> I, yeah. Like I was just so like uh, intrigued by just, you know, the, the mm-hmm. sheer vastness of mm-hmm. like, you could just, you know, walk uh, yeah. anywhere you wanted. And so I, I like what you're like, where you, you, you role play your own sort of, um, elements into yeah. the way playing so the game. I think the, that's cool. Yeah, and in D&D um all these like things that you can do, right? If you want to be a spinstress and make clothes in your downtime, uh the dungeon master's the game master's responsibility is to make sure that that element has mechanics so that it can happen. If you want to so for instance, I'm running I'm DMing on Sundays with my partner and her coworkers there is an androgynous bard named Mary Haywood. Okay. And they are outrageous. So there's bonds. We talked about bonds. However, character has like it. Like, this is where we're like, there's this like to be in their name up in lights, right? Their flaw. Every character comes with a flaw. Their flaw is that anytime they have money, they spend it. Oh, yeah. And Sounds so it's a flaw. <laughs> and it's always on clothes. And it's always on trying to make new clothes. And they'll be running through town to go do something. And it's, and then I'll say like, hey, roll a perception check. So they'll shake a D20, they'll roll it. They'll add the perception modifier and it'll be like 22, which is very high. That's like super high, but like perfect. You see a really good deal in the window of that restaurant or in the window of that uh, the, uh, clothing store. Oh my, I have to go buy that. You know, and they just take it away, but they have to roll dice 
to see if they can find stuff. They have to roll dice on like sleight of hand to see how well they can spin fabrics. Uh, it's great. And having mechanics to do all that. There is a game called Kingdom Come Deliverance that I bought for $15 uh, for my PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. When the internet went out, we were like switching roommates and like getting, you know, resituated with internet. We didn't have internet for about two weeks. And I bought, and I play a lot of PUBG and that's all online, but I got this game for 15 bucks. I brought up to the 14 is takes place in 1406 Bohemia and it's like full armor, like Skyrim almost, but in Bohemia 1406. So it's like super realistic. There's no magic and very just like just meat grinder. And I take it up to the counter and the, the person says that they will accept this game back in seven days if I don't like it. And I was like, well, that's I don't know why you're handing me an apprehension before I buy this game. And they're like, it's been returned so many times. Like the role playing is way too in depth. Like nobody's got time to wash their clothes before going into town. And I was like, what? She says, yeah. yeah. I was like, what? They said, they says to me, they goes, it says, you get dirty. The more you fight, the more you, and your armor gets dented. And if you try and return, a, you can't return a quest to the king if you're not presentable. And so you have to go to, to bathhouses and you have to go to armorsmiths and you have to do all this stuff before you can complete a quest. And I, and I, I was, I floated from GameStop to my minivan. I just like floated <laughs> out there. Like with this new, this finally I found a game that's, it's been years since I found a game that good. And what it is, is that it has more mechanics. You can yeah. do more things. You can take it more directions and mistakes you make in the beginning of the game will ruin your gameplay later to the point where you have to restart and it's outrageous that they let that fly it's, yeah. it feels like honestly it feels like being punched in the dick sometimes but like wow what an well, intense that's game the thing. that's the thing it's like yeah. adding, adding all of those mechanics and the fundamentals and stuff like is largely absent from you know more a lot of games yeah. these days like like in Skyrim, where it's like, you know, you hack this, um, you know, I don't know, uh, this fucking like, uh, like you said, skeleton or this, yeah. fi this fire mage or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it, like you're hacking them with this axe. And like there's basically like no um, body modifications to like right. the damage you, the, the damage you inflict and stuff or or vice versa when it's on yeah. you like your armor is all it appears to be if you're wearing armor right yeah. yeah so kingdom come deliverance if you're wearing heavy armor you'll move slower but it's harder for you to get hit and when you're using the sword you have to like on pc you flick the mouse in the direction or on uh console you use the analog stick but you have to find like you have to intentionally knock their arm in the air and like go in for a weak spot like you have to calculate it in your enemy it's super cool in yeah. dungeons and dragons how you hit somebody is like if you were wearing heavy armor let's say you're wearing some big plate mail you would have an ac or an armor class of let's you know 18 sometimes it's like 20 but 18 is really good and let's say i have a sword and i'm running at you i want to hit you i roll a 20-sided dice and then I add my proficiency. So if I'm a sword fighter, I'm proficient. I get plus five. I get to add five to whatever I roll. And I have to beat your 18. So I'll roll a d20. And if it's, if it's like 13, I add five. That's 18. So I beat it. I make it to break it. So now that, now that we've determined that my sword penetrates your armor or finds a weak spot, 
then I roll the damage. Then I'll roll a six-sided dice or I'll roll an eight, depending on what it is. And then I'll roll for damage. And then we just take that from HP. So it's like, I'm able to crack your armor, but I roll like a one on damage. It's like, I crack your armor, but it's not really enough. You just get like a small, you get like a small gouge in your chest, in your, in your pectoral yeah. region. So you yeah. lose one HP. It's so fun, man. And you get super descriptive. Uh, there was a player in my campaign from all of 2020 that, that Kolo was in. He was, uh, it was Peyo, my buddy, Kevin. He would get so descriptive when he'd kill an enemy. So if you kill an enemy, you get to, you have full reign on how you kill them. So it's like, if you kill, it's like, how'd you do it? He goes, I take my great sword. And he gets this huge, he's I split him right in half. And it's like, oh my God. He's like, yeah, just completely fell, you know, fell him in half. Symmetrically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh. He goes, no, 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 I'm not done. And then I skew, you just keep going and you just go into the super violent. And like, yeah, his character wasn't even, his character used to be a gladiator. Now they're, and they're going back to find the person that enslaved them. Actually. Word. Wow. Yep. Damn. Intense. Whoa. Yeah. Very Games. intense. D&D. <laughs> Spellcasters. Elves. Who doesn't want that? Man. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to be doing some research after this. All right, so, man. For the, for the sake of time. Yes, um, of course. Yeah. So um, let's hear a little bit more about your radio shows that you have in your so Definitely it not. was um stone soup stone soup and what was the other one and polymath commons okay word okay great yep. well, polymath commons i uh kind of i have a like a premonition of like what it's about considering you are interested in so many different things yep and i man if you were still doing that show now i would love to have been on it you would have been 110 percent. because it's like you know there's just so much to be curious about in this mm -hmm. world and uh, i don't know if you think about this at all but you know it's something i think i saw someone like uh tweet about it a couple months ago but it's like mm -hmm. the idea of like would you rather be super super like knowledgeable about a couple topics or know a little bit about a lot of topics Yes. And I think about that constantly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like to think that, like, I know a, a little bit about a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the things that I do know a lot about are, like, just very niche. I don't okay. find much, I don't find much community <laughs> in, it, like, you know, bird watchers, for example. Like, sure, I really, they're out there. Yeah, they are out there, but a lot of them I'm probably like half their age. You know sure. what I mean? It's like, or um, you know, uh, I'm also it, it's just like stuff like that. So yeah, I think about. I mean, that's something that everyone has to kind of like, uh, you know, I guess bird watching would definitely be on polymath comments. Like that's like exactly what it's about. Sure. It was, so, yeah, you want to talk a little bit about yeah. the format, the concept. Yeah. So how it boiled, what it boiled down to after I did a couple more episodes and got into it, it was supposed to be a show where I would have someone on that was very skilled in something mm -hmm. and it would just be like interviewing them. Yeah. Uh, and we had a couple people that was fun uh, to, to have them come on. And so it was polymath commons and it was all different types of sciences, hard sciences, like some people would come on and want to talk about this laser system that's on trains in Idaho, which detects 
batches of rotten tomatoes and they're able to instead of dumping entire loads of tomatoes like more specify what's so it eliminates a lot of food waste and going into like the organics and the mechanics and like where can that technology take us later uh and fun stuff like that or then also soft science no science at all liberal arts poetry writing singing adventuring like that was all part of polymath commons because intelligence and wisdom are two different things but it's totally both necessary and the 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 tip of the pyramid was innovations that was the focus on how you have so many smart people in the united states but we have everything we need here there is no pressure for us to be innovating where you go to the other half of the world and, and you know it is here too you do have a lot of sick innovations but I mean, we could have some healthcare would be great too, but we have everything except for healthcare, which is outrageous. And I think that, yeah, the, right. you know, there are people in situations I, you know, that are innovating in their backyard with, with no prior book knowledge, no like hands-on, no um, trade school that's taught them how to yeah. weld. And they're just, they're diving forward. And I love that idea. Uh, it was great. So then it became half an hour where it'd be half an hour, we'd talk about biology, genetics, all that fun stuff. And then the other half hour, we'd like talking about poetry and writing. That was awesome. And that was Fridays at 3 p.m. Right. That was a good time. Good, good, uh, good time, polymath comments. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, so when you say that, um, that we have all the innovation we need, right? So like- No, you- we, have, we, have, we have all of the things that we need. So there is no need for us to be innovating. Oh, yeah. Because, okay. because unfortunately, people aren't stimulated right now by climate change when they should be. Um, but I got a job. I can pay for a coal burning plant. I can just purchase my electricity from the power plant and not worry about any of the negative. I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like, like we, have we have everything. You yeah, don't have we have to worry about it. We have the solutions already, like, you know, spelled out in many yeah. cases. But no, but no pressure to do it. Yeah. So no spe- pressure. Yeah, specifically mm-hmm. pertaining to sustainable energy. But mm-hmm. a lot of it comes down to profit. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it's just, America. That is America. That's capitalism. That's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched the new David Attenborough documentary. Um, oh, it, it's... um. It actually like features him and like how he's like 93 now and it, he it kind of like adds like a personal element of like how the planet looks like what it was like when he was like first exploring things in like the 1950s mm-hmm. first, how it's exponentially been depleted um 20 of uh the world's like wild has been depleted since then yeah um in that really really small like compact amount of time and what we need to do to like ensure that like the planet survives another century Mm -hmm. um it was i mean it was it was really obviously it's it's very like bleak and depressing but it adds with like a little bit of like charming optimism you know in a traditional david attenborough fashion (laughs) But, but but the point is is that like you know, the, the profitability of like fossil fuels and capitalist interests are, yeah, are ultimately, you know, like milking the earth of 
everything precious when it's like we already have the answers it's just yeah like you said a lot of people just don't want to do them nobody's so yeah pressure is something that people just avoid you know and and so it, it goes subconscious for me too psychologically especially in america people are fucking nuts and you've got people who claim that they have everything in life they've consumed they got the car and the house and all these things but they're putting aside their obligation to be a steward on earth. They're putting aside their place on earth and they're just, just sitting in smog and oil and avoiding that pressure. So anytime you avoid pressure in your life, it becomes stress. If you, if you, and this is just a good uh, thing that I've recently read about is that if, if you have something pressure, you're putting pressure on your life, handle it. You know what I mean? Just try, even if you fail at it, the, 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 the forward motion through it eliminates stress. And so I think too, like a lot of people subconsciously ignoring the pressure that someday our world will look like Mars and avoiding the responsibility to help take care of that, whether we are impacting climate change, whether we are the ones driving the temperatures to go all crazy or not, we have to work to figure it out, right? And people avoiding that, I think is subconsciously gonna make them more and more neurotic almost. Yeah. It's this neurosis of the brain where people are just putting it off. And the people who are, it is, you know, like you're talking about the documentary is a little grueling and depressing, but it's like, you have to ingest some of that. You do, you to, absolutely to cope, do. To cope with it. Yeah, and and no i i precisely agree with you and also like that sort of um that uh avoidant neurosis as you yeah it also <laughs> leads it a lot it leads to a lot of political ambivalence where yeah. people aren't engaged in fighting for any kind of change right now and nope you know and i i mean i don't blame them like to a degree i mean where it's mm -hmm. like yeah the for example i mean the a lot of the Democrats are kind of disappointing. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like we just, you know, it's just like we, we, it's like we had a chance to vote in somebody who was going to, you know, actually like fight for more, for a Green New Deal. Right. And instead we got such a moderate, like center left compromise. Yeah, a turd in the there. pool. Yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, so, look, there's a turd in the pool. Gross. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like like all of all of 2020's election has just been turds in the pool man i was so upset by the yeah. whole thing so and you know this is really interesting that you're bringing these things up because i'm actually yeah. kind of tying in the the various um uh points of interest that logan here is yeah in the the D, D, the urban farming the the broadcasting and like the the, mm -hmm. the radio shows and the things you talk about on air like all these things are sort of blending now like they're oh, all kind yeah. of, there's, there's like sort of an intersectionality to a lot of the things you're interested in and i admire that about you man. thanks man that's liberal arts that's when i learned that when people asked why i was going to college to study history like what are you going to do with that once i finally looked in the mirror and said my history degree is not about what will I do with it. It's what am I doing right now with it? I'm reading books that our founding fathers read as much as I disagree with a lot that they did. The transmission of history is so intense and it changes and alters the way you look at things. It puts a filter. We all see the unfiltered world, but when we learn and we gain wisdom, 
we're able to put a filter over it and see things for what they really are. Uh, and, and then we do that in science too, which is super cool using different like thermal mapping technology, uh, the potato sensor on that train in Idaho, like all that stuff, man, we can do that with our brain. Our brain is, I scuba dived in, in college. I took scuba lessons. It was fascinating. I was wearing this apparatus that was entirely regulated by a tank in my lungs. My lungs played a huge part of this machine and it made my organics feel mechanic and it was awesome it was so dope to be a part of a physics system that let me go 60 feet below water yeah no kidding i'd love to do I'm that i'm always fascinated by that stuff man dude yeah well you're um yeah i mean i don't to... support skynet building cyborgs though i don't just either. want that clear on the record i don't support <laughs> skynet building ai cyborgs yeah no <laughs> kidding so you hear that elon musk no cyborg ai Unless yeah. it's kind of cool. I don't know. I, I, I mean, if I'm here for the end of the world, that's dope. And if it's cyborg technology, I'll be so mad. But I'll be like, whoa, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't have that set aside. Like, I was shit, man. <laughs> shit, it's like, man, like, we were warned about this shit. I mean, yeah. Oh. The special effects, they, they, they spelled it out for us. But. Yep. They laid it all out and we were ignorant. We just put it off. We just put it off like everything else. And right. so next thing you know, a T3000 is knocking on your door and you're like, what the heck? That man? was just a cyberpunk fantasy at one point. Yeah. yeah. And here I am. So tell me about Stone Soup. Stone Soup was the best. Stone Soup was in River West. So, so Stone Soup, you really have to think about what River West Radio was. It was a film and video store yeah. is on Center Street. And they've got two studios in the in the front windows, right? You've seen it. You live there, but for people yeah. who are watching and, and might not know, there's two storefront windows, Studio A and B. And Tuesday at 10 p.m., we had five mics in the studio. It was me and Ion Lightning, and we'd sit in there and we'd have all mics ready and warmed up. And people would walk by that glass, and there was a speaker that would broadcast out to the sidewalk. And be like, oh, look at the wildlife's out tonight in River West. Hey, how's it going? You know, we're talking about this or that. Do you want, do you have any opinions? And we'd bring people in and talk to, and we would be discussing outrageous theories. Like I am not a big fan of conspiracies at all. Like I don't, I don't actively research them myself. If someone wants to tell me a conspiracy, I always will listen. I'll always like, you know, cause it's a form of storytelling and I admire it. And sometimes it's very creative and I put it into D and D. So I always will listen to people's conspiracies or accept material on them, but I personally don't actively search them where Ion lightning always had a ton of like really good ones. And we'd share those. I would come in with my religious studies background. He's personally studied re some religious theory and psychology. And it was really cool. And do you know what a stone soup is? It's where it's an old tale uh train hoppers hobos would you know there'd be one there's two stories of it one uh a uh, train hopper would sit down he'd start boiling water and he'd throw a stone in there to add flavor to the pot and then other hobos would come like, what are you making like oh it's a stone soup like this rock gives off a lot of good mineral flavor and it's kind of like a take like a joke but the stone does keep the water boiling longer whatever and so oh cool well i have some cabbage that I found. I was going past a farm in, in Illinois, I found a bunch of cabbage. Cool, throw some in the pot, man, have a seat. And then another hobo would show up. Hey, you know, I came across the chicken I found in the road. 
like you mind if i just dunk this in there like yeah sure throw it in man until eventually you've got five or six people around this pot all throwing something into it to make a really hearty stew and that was what the show was we always had new people on if you came on the show you never gave your name you always had an alias so i went by polar bear the entire two years uh ion lightning ion lion uh do you do you know tamir you know tamir Tamir klein yeah Oh yeah, he was uh he was my fraternity actually. Yeah, dude. So he he was my roommate for most oh, of the time okay. that I was on Stone Soup and he would come on all the time. He was the meerkat and he would come on and talk about his like surf ideologies and just like yeah. how surf can translate to the real world, you know, and that that uh that stoke. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It was a good time, man. And some people would come on River West nightlife, even on a Tuesday at 10 p.m., is outrageous. It's quite, it's quite uh, yeah. interesting, eclectic. And everybody was on. Yeah. So Rabbi, the notorious Rabbi in River West, he would come to our urban, the urban farm that we worked at all the time. And he was a big help, um, really good at dumpster diving and would bring like banquets to the farm. And we'd grill it out, you know, have huge community events. Uh, just on a small scale right just friends yes, sure. and rabbi was on the radio all the time he'd, he would come in like looking to talk to ian as ion lightning and it, it was so genuine just the way that he would you know we'd be super intense in conversation and in the background you hear hey ian! and he'd just like come on the show and just like totally break up the conversation with his monotony and it was such a cool character card and I know he knew it too. Like he knew yeah. he wasn't just this clueless guy coming in. He was totally a character and it added a lot of flavor to the stone suit. An interactive show. Like yeah, an there. audio yeah. play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, dude, that's once again, pretty cool how you take otherwise like, you know, kind of just uh, arbitrary uh, characters and mm -hmm. uh, personify sequence. yeah yeah and really, and sequences really around you and you you yeah. build on that and uh, definitely that's the same kind of like uh improv um instinct that has made your dnd campaigns yeah so definitely i'm i'm i really uh want to make a push now that i'm back working again and, and getting a little more currency i do want to start investing in improv classes oh, i cool. definitely i've always so i've always been like on the fence of if I want to invest in creative writing, invest in improv, invest in charisma, right? And I've always just been like working and working and working and paying rent, working and paying rent. And then after 2020, I realized I can get by easily on fumes, right? Like 2020, I spent a lot of time just like sitting inside, going for bike rides, you know, but for the most part, like after March, everybody's like, if you get COVID, you will die. I was like, holy shit, I can't leave my, oh my, it was like terrifying. Like, I don't even want to yeah. walk to the park by myself. Oh yeah, we had to like, I remember I had a roommate at the time when COVID first started, we had to like yeah. wipe down all our groceries with like the, the yeah. disinfectant wipes and like, yeah, yeah, it was that panic, you know, that hysteria. Yeah, everybody, is, and it goes from, from, from every single person in the United States, yeah. if they believe it or not, is experiencing COVID and i think that everybody is trying something different and it's going to be clunky you know but yeah. uh i i tell you man i was able to just focus on dnd &D. i invested some money in dnd &D, which was kind of like i thought reckless at the time like oh, i'm like putting money into like a fantasy game but that gave me so much purpose yeah. and i 
believe it was Karl Marx that talks about real happiness. And that's part of my undergrad. Real happiness is sometimes a sadness, you know, but it's real. It's like, it's, it's real happiness. And that is like stripping yourself of materials and stuff, you know, and, I, and I've always valued that. And during 2020, I was like, dude, I am this uh, person on earth. And I find that D and D is exciting and I can share it with people and other people can get emotions from it. Yeah. And make them feel good. So let's do that. And let's try and make it as free as possible <laughs> because like nobody wants to spend money. So, and, right. and then if you have a good dungeon master, if you have someone who wants to take time and write, uh, yeah. That's cool, yeah. man. I mean, I, I mean, dude, I like, you do the same thing. I'm a Marxist and I, I, I follow like, Karl Marx is, uh, sure. um, you know, the whole dictatorship of the proletariat. Like I read up, I've been reading on like a lot of that stuff. I joined a group in the last year Oh, awesome! where we talk about that stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, we, it, it brings a conversation about how material driven we are like mm -hmm. under our current like socioeconomic conditions and whatnot. And like, I like, I love what you said about where we're talking about real happiness. You know, yeah. we're talking about, like how we've assigned so much emotional gratification to like acquisition of commodities. Right. And how, you know, we, there's that whole phrase about like money doesn't buy happiness, you know? And it's like that, that phrase has somewhat been dispelled by a lot of people in the last year, because it's like, no, like at this point, money could solve so many of my, yeah. my problems. And yeah. man, like, it's yeah. it's such a, a a reclamation of like talking about like what truly makes us happy and like what should and shouldn't be like just like what could be just considered basic human rights you know housing man like housing is definitely something where it's housing. like money can't buy you happiness yeah but i do like having a place to shower lay my blankets down where they won't get wet and clean water clean water definitely clean water and especially during the cold a warm place to put your head and money buys that here in, in the united states and Dude. that's where money you know it gets it gets to that point where people are consuming and there's a lot of the back-end things that are devastating you know every time you buy from this mega place and avoid local but we, people do it all anyways we all do it anyways it's and it's just this thing that that we just keep putting off in the back of our minds dude 100% i mean people say it as a joke now but what if what if in the next couple of decades people like capitalism uh, engulfs uh air it commodifies yeah. air like how, sure. how how like i mean that's that's Ooh, like yeah in 10 it's years it's a comical idea yeah. now but you know if we don't act on what yeah. we already know now like, you know, the, the we're results. already seeing fresh air is like a topic, especially from from obviously pollution. Yeah. And I won't name any power plants, any big company power plants. But if you look at the people that live around them, majority of the kids have asthma. Yeah, they have it's the housing exposed to those like, uh, yeah. Yeah, those elements. And there's nothing. All the the only benefit of that is some cheaper rent, and it's outrageous. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. But the other pollution, the other air commodity I was talking about is like uh, with COVID and like the infection spreading through airborne, 
and touch or I guess touch I guess was the most popular but like social distancing is not cheap either like like being able to have your own so I mean for some folks that have to share housing you're mentioning you and your roommate were having to clean stuff off yeah. and it's like you know if you're sharing housing with other people especially if it's many people if you're incarcerated it's definitely yeah. it's impossible oh, yeah. for you to you don't even control your own space or air like that's yeah, not yeah we're not even know. talking about prisons man like yeah. prisons or also people that have to still go into work in the service yeah. industry that can't afford yeah. to like say no to employment right now because and therefore they're forced to uh be in public yeah man in like, space yeah that's right so all of this said the last thing i wanted to bring up uh yeah. what are you what are you doing uh, uh in terms of urban farming right now like what are what are you thinking about <sighs> yeah yeah so i will be moving in june staying in the twin cities but i'll be i'll be changing my housing location so yeah. the urban farm that's next to me right now uh i'll be moving in june and that's usually when you put out your tomatoes it's usually when you put out a bunch of your stuff so my goal, since I don't have my own garden this year, I, I have a ton of friends and I have behind me this little grow box that ha I'm rehabilitating a ton of herbs that came in from the first frost. I brought them in and cleaned them up and a lot of them are dying and, and they look great. They look beautiful. And I love watching them. I've got a sage plant now that I've had for a year and a half. It's got purple flowers budding on it. And it's super cool, man. Uh, but I'm going to be using that this grow chamber to make plants. And then I've reached out to my friends in, in Minneapolis that have gardens and, and took requests. So some people have cats. I have cats, but I can keep them separate from this grow box. Some people can't keep their cats away from seedlings. So the plant won't survive spring before it can get outdoors. So right now it's just starting a bunch of seeds, getting a bunch of seedlings. And then before I move, just transplanting them all out to the community. That's kind of my biggest goal right now. Personally, I have some dragon tongue seeds. Dragon tongues are a bean that's purple and green that I am that I've been keeping. I've been keeping the seeds every year for five years, and just only only keeping the seeds from like the most succulent beans and keeping those seeds and regrowing. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find a place to house them over the summer and grow them so I can reproduce. Uh, so mostly science driven right now, very like zooming in on the seedlings and zoom on that. But later, the summertime growing season, coin flip, man, got to find land. Yeah, I should go Viking, just <laughs> make, and just make land for myself. Just show up to some dude's house and hit him with the shield and be like, this is my land now. Totally right? my land. <laughs> totally my totally my land. Just go Viking. Just so yeah. I can plant some squash. I'm really a nice guy. I just want to grow tomatoes. Yeah, but you might have to go. You might have to go conquer someone yeah. else. So. Yeah, go Viking. Yeah, yeah. Man. but I'm a well, Packer fan. Ah. Just for the record, to yeah. throw that out there. Well, loyal to your roots. <laughs> yes, uh, so indeed. Well, dude. Um, I mean, that's great that uh you are um kind of uh growing and harvesting uh your own uh mm -hmm. crops there, if you will, and. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've been, especially, you know, you're, you're talking, we were talking a lot about River West earlier and it's a, a common practice here. You know, I see a lot of yeah. people with their own garden plots in the neighborhood. Uh, you have a community garden um, over here across the street from Bremen. Um, sure. Like you also have Alice's garden uh, uh, more uh, in the inner city where folks are. Yeah, there's a garden right on North Avenue. Right yeah, on the big curve. Oh yeah, I live right curve. by it. 
I live yep. right around the corner. I helped rehabilitate some of those beds. That was, yeah, I did a lot of that in 2017. I did a lot of um, uh, this old man who was very passionate about urban farming and the food system would donate a ton of money to churches. And mm-hmm. then they would use that money to hire me and buy materials and I'd build the garden there. So my, 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 you know, something I look forward to my bond is to see like what, what all I can grow with urban farming, what, you know, how many people, those four or five garden beds that I put up in 2017, someday I want to go back there and see a full greenhouse there. I want to see that, that those beds that I put in have created, have incepted the minds of the people around it to take care of it and grow food. And hopefully they've had a couple good banquets from it. You know, it's all you can ask is once people grow their own food and get to feast on it and get full and like slap their belly full of just like nice whole ingredients. Oh, fuck. That is such a good feeling, man. Just eat oh, yeah. some good food. Dude, I miss my mom's uh, homegrown green beans. She oh, made, yes. she, she used to grow the, the most immaculate, like yeah. lar- large pods of green beans and i remember like they're meaty they're so good yeah, you just yeah. just a pound at a time man dude, yeah you can't and od I, on veggies <laughs> no i dude yeah like actually like sometimes like when i'm hungry late at night like and i just don't feel like eating like you know chips or something like right. i i'll take i'll uh have some uh frozen peas and carrots absolutely and, uh, throw a little seasoned salt in them and you know, that's a favorite of mine, a favorite of company yeah. my meals. You know, it's vegetables are so fucking good. You just have to get to find the right vegetables for you. I know, yeah. I know a lot of people hate peas, but I love peas. They're one of my favorites. I love peas, man. They're so fucking good, yeah. man, with a little, little bit of uh, butter and pepper. If and you salt. had access to eight hours of sunlight, you could take a small trough, plant some peas soon because the rule is that peas and potatoes are planted after St. Patty's Day. Oh. So that's when you can put them outside. Peas, most plants don't go outside till May, June. Peas, you can put those bad boys out there in the middle of March. And even if it snows again, whatever, it's fine. There's, they love it. They love it. Peas are great. Maybe I'll become a plant daddy this year. Do it. You should totally be a plant daddy. Nothing's more rewarding than having a plant family and getting to consume it. And just yeah, be like, well, my sweet little pea, crunch and munch, dude. Just munchies and yeah. crunchies. Yeah, yeah, man. And then I, you uh, can take care of them, too. And, like, I've got my own plant genus that I'm keeping the seeds of and regrowing it every year. And it's fun. It's a fun little family. Yeah, might stop at Kellner's uh, in April. Definitely. See what they've got. That place is amazing. That place is like, I'm like a kid in a candy factory there. I have to leave like all, I have to go in there with cash, only a certain amount because I've, yeah, definitely. Dude, Logan, thank you for being on the show, man. This is a lot of fun. I, dude, like, you know, if, um, I, yeah, man, I'm I'm just glad <laughs> I'm glad we could like actually like talk. I know we've been connected yep. for a long time, but you like I feel like you and I are very similar in a lot of ways, perceive things in similar ways. Yep. We make a good soup. Make a great soup. Um, make a, we make I, a great soup. I think we should definitely uh, make a nice soup sometime. Yeah, definitely, uh, dude. <laughs> so we'll see what we grow. So as we're closing out here, I mm-hmm. ask everyone the same few questions. Um, first sure. is, uh, Logan, what keeps you up at night? 
Uh, I mean, short answer, video games. Yeah. Short answer, definitely, definitely PUBG keeps me up at night. Uh, long answer, thinking, thinking of uh, fantasy. Definitely thinking of fantasy stuff. Like the biggest part of my D&D success is being able to merge my reality with this fantasy world. And that occurs a lot of the time when I'm trying to turn my brain off. So, yeah. Definitely just big fantasy. Big fantasy vibes. Right. Big fantasy energy. I love that. Yep. Uh, what, uh, well, what puts you to sleep? So I have been able to uh, write things down you know, getting like, if I have a thought that I cannot shake, I'll write it down. That helps that also like medicinally, I've made a lot of chamomile tinctures, which is soaking chamomile on Everclear. And I'll make chamomile tea and I'll put a shot of this chamomile tincture in it. And it's a pretty dope sedative and oh, yeah. not illegal. So take that government. I'm going to bed when I won't. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, dude. Chamomile sick. If you learn how to concentrate it. Yeah, we're gonna have to hang out soon. <laughs> I'd love yeah. to. I'd love to um, uh, try your concoction, man. The camel well, mile. Thanks, uh, and your meat and the. Meat. Oh yes, man! <laughs> I'll, I'll be bottling uh, sometime next week. I'll put I'll put a little one aside for when you come to Minneapolis. Oh yeah, one of my best yeah. friends lives in Bloomington, so perfect. I'll be moving down to South Metro soon, so. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks again for joining me today, my friend. Um, it's great for everyone watching. Um, learn a little bit, a little bit about D and D, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I'll be uh, providing a link to the website uh, so you can see if there's something there for you that you want to give a try. Um, invest in a sustainable, um, personal uh, agriculture, urban farming. The polymath commons, man. Yep. Um, Don't do be afraid have, to share. <laughs> do you have a? Do you have like shows archived? Oh man, um, SoundCloud. If you're on SoundCloud and you go to WXRW, that's River West Radio's call sign. So SoundClouding, WXRW, and then Polymath Commons. That might come up with some episodes. But I would prefer you check out Stone Soup. It's one word, Stone Soup. Okay. WXRW. WXRW, Stone Soup. Oh, my gosh. They're... Yeah, just turn it on and zone out, dude. Yeah. Send me a link. Send me a link. I will. Yeah, I'll do that. Cool. cool bro, Thanks man, for watching, dude. Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.